This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hello, friends. I'm back from vacation, and I'm here to do what I love doing the most. <laughs> you know that feeling when you come back from vacation and things are like absolutely bananas and you just have so much stuff to get caught up on and it's been a little bit stressful, but you know, things are, they're slowly calming down back to a pace of like normalcy. So thank God. I'm a creature of habit and a creature of routine. So to have things off kilter kind of upsets me <laughs> in like an anxious type of way. Um, but enough of that big news and I'm like I so I was in Niagara Falls when it happened and I like screamed really loud and people looked at me weird um we had a thousand followers on Instagram I like can't even believe that I never I really never even truly thought this day would ever happen um so that's really cool I thank you um so just kind of wanted to mention like the people I had like a surprise for this but I never really thought it was ever going to happen so I don't have the surprise and I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. You know, I just, I'm, I was so caught off guard that it actually did. Um, so, like, you know, some shout outs, I suppose, to the people who, you know, have been there since, like, literally day one and the people who are just, you know, make this worth my time doing. Um, and I don't mean that in, like, a, a weird type of way. It's like, there are just a couple people who I really want to shout out just because they... When times have gotten dark and I thought I didn't want to do this anymore, those people have been there for me to, you know, it's almost like they knew I needed that encouragement and they're like, oh, your page is great. Or like they'll send me a message or, you know, it's just the people that I've gotten to meet in this journey and the the true crime community is just so awesome and I'm so happy and thankful to be a part of it. It's just incredible. Um, So... First and foremost, the my three most the most beautiful patrons anybody could ever ask for in this whole world. Like they are literally the most gorgeous people I've ever met. Well, not met, but no. Um, so Rachel, Candace, and I think it's Sherry or Cherry. I cannot decide. Both are cool. So that is what it is. Um, you guys are the bomb.com. Thank you for you know giving me well for ideas and comments and feedback and how the best way to go about things. I really appreciate that. Um, also, I should mention Mia, who is literally in Croatia. That's I can't even believe that I have somebody that I talk to regularly who lives in Croatia. That's so cool. Um, Christy from Everyday Bullet Journal. She is the meme queen. She and I have collaborated on several memes, and it's really, really cool that we can do that, and she gets my sense of humor, and she's also, like, one of the funniest people ever, so I really appreciate that. Her bullet journal layouts are also amazing. If you didn't know, I also bullet journal, which is how we met, um, so that's really cool, and then, um, Burn for Murderific, she really kind of showed me the ropes in the beginning, and, I mean, she gave me sh- multiple shout-outs, and I really, she really helped me when I didn't know what I was doing, so I have to give her, like, She's incredible, too. So, I mean, I'm probably forgetting a lot of people. Those were the big ones that, right off the top of my head, come to mind. Um, you know, obviously, my family and friends think I'm really weird for being so into serial killers, but also support me unconditionally and are really good at pretending to listen to me, like, ramble. Um, so, yeah, just thanks, you guys, for giving me a chance to do something that I genuinely love. Like, that, it means a lot to me. It makes it worth 
it makes it worth the, the struggle. <laughs> the late nights and the, the researching and the frustration. You guys make it worth it. So thanks. I, you know, I really appreciate that. So I'm sure you saw on my week off that I posted who I was going to be recording today. And, you know, some of you may have thought, Jana, I thought you learned your lesson about recording serial killers that are in a different language. And maybe you shouldn't do that because <laughs> they always turn out really difficult and frustrating. But Elizabeth Bathory is actually very fascinating. And the historical rabbit holes that kind of surround her and the theories about why she, you know, did what she did or if she did what she did um, are really fascinating. And, you know, the more I researched it, because I did at one point almost say, screw the schedule because, A, it's my podcast and I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> and B, why not do something that I would feel more comfortable doing? But I, you know, I was like, no, I said I was going to do it. I, let me just, let me just dip my little toesies in and see how bad is it going to be? You know, because with Miriam Sulekiotis, like everything was in Greek. Everything was like 50 years old and I couldn't find any information and had to Google translate the whole thing. That's how it was for Metad Throwback too. I could not find any information on him and thank God for Mia because she translated half the stuff that didn't make any sense to me. So that's kind of, you know, the dangers of foreign true crimes is because most of them are old and most of them are in a different language. So I stuck my toes in, and Elizabeth Bathory, honestly, because she is so famous, I guess you'd say, well-known, um, she, you know, there there was a decent amount on her, and actually I didn't have to translate anything, which was nice. Um, I probably should have done a little better to figure out how to say the places, um, like I did for all the other ones, um, but they seem pretty straightforward, and a lot of the articles used, like, an English trans like an English translation of their names so um I'm just gonna say those and we're gonna go from there I don't want to get too lost on the foreignness of it this is like the longest intro I've ever had wow guys okay so we're gonna get into it because yeah so uh Elizabeth Bathory was born uh, her name in the the language that it is, is Exeti Bathory Elizabeth, which in the Western name order stands for Countess Elizabeth Bathory of Exed. Um, she was born on August 7th in 1560 um, under the name Elizabeth Bathory, and she was born in Nier, Nier Bator. I'm sorry, I'm butchering all these. I'm in the kingdom of Hungary. So, fun fact... Nairbator is actually a town in Hungary that the Bathory family owned before she was born. So the first rec re yep, the first written record of the settlement um, dates back to 1279 and uh, the name kind of has ties to the Mongolian phrase for good hero. Back when the town was like first formed, I guess you call it a village or a town, I'm not really sure. Um, it was owned by the Gutkilid clan who were ancestors to the Bathories. So, actually, the town became the center of estates for the family and also the burial site. So, the town um, was in the family's possession until 1613. So, it's really important in Hungarian history because during the 16th century, um, King Ferdinand I and Isabella um, had agreed to return 
Transylvania, so the whole kind of area of Transylvania, back to the Kingdom of Hungary. And fun fact, that that is the couple that sponsors Christopher Columbus's trip to um, overseas. So that's fun. Um, so they gave Transylvania back, but there was still some argument about whom the town of Nyarbator, Nyarbator, who it belonged to. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of has some historical background. So Elizabeth was born on her family's estate in Nyarbator. She spent her days in a castle that used to be called Exed. Um, it's now called Nagy Exed, I think. Nagyxed. I'm not sure. It's N A G Y E C S E D, which that just stands for Great Exed to distinguish it. And her body was originally buried there after her death, although people don't know where it's at now. Um. So her dad was. This is the English name. Um. Her dad was Baron George, the sixth Bathory. He's from the Exed branch of the family. Um. Her uncle was Andrew. Bonaventura Bathory, and he was muy importante. He was called the Vyavode of Transylvania, which is the highest ranking official in Transylvania within the Kingdom of Hungary. And it was called that from the 12th to 16th century. He wasn't alive that long. He wasn't alive for 400 years, but you get the gist. Um, so it was appointed by a monarch and had a wide ranging administrative, military, and judicial powers, but their jurisdiction never um, covered the whole providence. So some Transylvania towns were able to keep their authority over themselves indefinitely, but this Vyavode had power more or less over the entire area of Transylvania, which is kind of cool. Um, so he got um, the Vy, uh, that word is such a weird word to say. Vyavode um, of Transylvania, he got a massive, um, very lucrative income, and he he couldn't do any, like, the king still had a lot of power, but he was looking over kind of the business of it. Um, and actually, several members of the Bathory family served as Vyavode of Transylvania. Vyavode? Voivode? I keep screwing that up. That's the last time I have to say that word, so... No, I don't. I have to say it one more time. <laughs> Shit. Um, so, Elizabeth's mother was Baroness Anna Bathory. She was the daughter of Stephen Bathory of Somlio, which is another branch of the Bathory family. Yes. If you caught that, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, he was another voivode of Transylvania. Um, I'm just trying to tell you how important their family was, man. There's the grand, the king of Poland. Oh, yeah, Elizabeth was the niece of the Hungarian noble and the eventual king of Poland and the grand duke of Lithuania of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth and the prince of Transylvania, Stephen Bathory. There were several Stephen Bathory's, so it's okay if you can't keep them straight. I have a hard time as well. We won't talk about them again, so I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you how important, like, how just astronomically important her family was. They had, they were like the most important family in Transylvania, more or less. They had ties and kings and grand dukes and voivodes all over the place. Like they were just very rich, very wealthy, and very important. So that's just the point I'm trying to get across. All those facts are just facts. She's important. Um, so during Elizabeth's childhood, she suffered multiple seizures, most likely from inbreeding of her parents. Yes. Um, so I just want to say during the rest of this, I found a really, really great document that is so worth your time reading. Um, it's 
lengthy, but really well researched and very interesting. It's called um, No Blood in the Water, The Legal and Gender Conspiracies Against Countess Elizabeth Bathory in Historical Context, and it's by Rachel Bledsaw. It was um, published by the University of Indiana, I think. And it's so well researched and so well cited and so well documented that if you even have any kind of interest in this case, I would definitely say go read it. Um, it more or less talks about the crimes of Elizabeth Bathory and like the political and um, just like the history that led up to her being born and the history after her being born and how those kind of influences were maybe kind of led to her not so much doing what she did, but how she was caught and why what happens happens. Um, very interesting. So I would highly recommend that. I got a decent chunk of my information from that as well as a couple other sources, but Rachel did such a good do- job researching that. that like, I didn't really need to get my information from anywhere else and all her stuff was cited. So I was able to fact check. So um, Elizabeth, back to the back to the back. Elizabeth Bathory's parents were cousins. Her father was from the Exed branch, which I'd said before, and her mother was the Somoloyo branch. Um, so, yeah, nothing good can come from cousins banging. Uh, so she was the second of four with an older brother and two younger sisters. So the inbreeding could have led to her falling sickness, which is what they called seizures at the time. Epilepsy was called falling sickness. And at the time, um, the treatment was strange. Because people didn't understand what was happening, like they didn't understand it was a neurological disorder where people would just have seizures. So um, they believed that you could rub blood from someone who didn't suffer seizures on your lips if you um, were an epileptic, or you could have the blood thing again and a piece of skull from a non-sufferer um, and like hand it to the person having the quote episode when it ended. Um, where you were expected to get this piece of skull or blood um, is interesting. And may, I don't know, a lot of people believe that Elizabeth Bathory did what she did because she was an epileptic and, like, maybe, you know, the cure for it when she was a young girl, she, you know, the blood thing. So people, like, that kind of fueled a lot of rumors in, like, where this goes. Or it could just be that she was fucking cruel. Like, how about that? <laughs> You know, so, I don't know, people try to give a lot of, there's, we'll get to it, I promise. So, the family invested a lot of time and money into their children because they had it, and therefore Elizabeth was um, versed in Greek and Latin. She also enjoyed things that most young girls do, like horseback riding, reading, and playing dress up. So she, in 1570, got engaged to be married to a guy named Francis Natasi. I That's his English name. Um, he was 15, she was 10, and it wasn't so much an arranged marriage, but something, um, more like Elizabeth was an option if Francis decided to, like, engage her. So it was like, he, it it read, like, he got, like, a whole bunch of options, and he was like, nope, I pick her, and they were engaged. So good for her. Um, she was known for her intelligence, her wit, and her beauty, and I've seen what people call a, quote, likeness of her, and I get that beauty standards have definitely changed over time, but the statue and, like, it must be, like, a wax figure of what I've seen of her looks like a lady grew in a medieval dress. Like, if you can just imagine the guy from Despicable Me, right? Is that that movie? 
if like he had like hair and like a dress it's a lot like what her face her i don't know to each their own she was apparently very beautiful so they were married in 17 nope that's why did i put 1974 i'm assuming that is really not right (laughs) i'm assuming may 8th 1574 very different um she had turned 15 and Francis was 20. Their marriage was bougie as fuck. So they had a three-day festival with four um, 4,500 wedding guests. And so it was just a big, massive party at a castle. And for a wedding present, Francis gave Elizabeth a castle. It, um, I'm not going to pronounce it right. Castle. If you ever look it up, I'll... Sp- C-A-C-H-T-I-C-E. And there's some accents in there you'll find it. Um, at the time it was in Hungary, but now it's, it's ruins are in Slovakia. And let me tell you, I was like Googling pictures of this place. Uh, it is just gorgeous. It sits atop this like massive hill and it's just beautiful. It's got, um, and actually it has surround, it's surrounded by rare plants. And so it's considered a national treasure now because of the rarity of the plants and kind of the history behind it. And it's set, it's just such a gorgeous castle. So like what a damn good wedding present. Um, and fun fact, it was also used as the location for the film Nosferatu. Have that information. So in between the time of engagement and marriage, Elizabeth was sent off to school to learn what it took to be the head of a household as large and as wealthy as the Ned Asti family. Um, rumors that started after Elizabeth's death went around that she had an illegitimate child with someone who wasn't Francis during that time, um, but it's highly believed to be false, especially because the rumors didn't even come out till well after she died, so probably not true. Um, Bathory, who per Hungarian custom kept her last name, but she was also higher, she was a higher, marble mouth, she was of higher nobility and so actually, Francis changed his last name to Bathory. So she and her new beau, Francis, lived in the perfect life. They didn't have to pay any taxes. They could use their money for anything they wanted. And they were able to make money doing nothing because of their power. And it seemed like they really, truly had it made. Um, because they were so high up and they owned the castle and her family owned, the, they just were so wealthy. That, what's that saying? Like, rich breeds rich, rich money makes money. I don't know. I'm not rich, nor do I have a lot of money, so I don't know any quotes about money, (laughs) except I'm broke AF. That's the only quote I know about money. Um, so they were making money doing nothing, and they were just loaded, exorbitantly to the point of just, like, sheer ridiculousness. They had so much money. Um, the couple had five children in total, but only three lived to be adults. Anna, who was born in 1585, Katrine, who was born in 1594, and Paul, who was born in 1598. They lived a calm lifestyle, and their only real concerns were the rising conflict between the Ottoman Empire and Hungary. So, um, I was going to go into, like, the Ottoman-Hungarian wars, but that would take, like, another 45 minutes just to do that, um, because that is detailed, and it has a lot of information, it's really lengthy, and it's very involved, and it's, like, you can't, you can't really glance over bits and pieces of it because you'd miss, like, the point. There's a lot of backstory I'm good. Just know there's a war going on. I'm just going to give you the bare facts on it. So the Ottoman Empire, which is con- it's considered Turkey on this side of the world, so it was expanding. And there were several wins in that war of, like, the Ottoman Empire kind of growing 
which I'm sure that's not a, that's something you've heard of before, the Ottoman Empire. Nothing to do with footstools. Um, they there were winds that they had they had achieved certain goals in their spreading that primed the Ottoman Empire to take over Hungary. And during Elizabeth Bathory's time, which would be like about 1591, um, that peaceful life was going to change. There was the 15 Years' War and the Long War, which lasted from 1593 to 1606. And these were both like absolutely devastating for Hungary. So um, Elizabeth's husband, Francis, had to go off to war. Um, He earned himself the title of the Black Bay of Hungary. Um, because he was such a bloodthirsty killer in the war, he was made chief of command, chief commander of the Hungarian troops, and like he excelled at war. Um, the war had dramatically affected Hungary's population, though, um, and it caused widespread famine and epidemics, and literally nothing about the border changed, and there was no shift in power. It's just like this: Hungary held fast, like in their borders and their strengths, but they they took a critical hit when it came to like, their relations with other countries and, you know, getting food and their population suffered a lot. The Bathories, though, were doing so well financially because, remember, he's getting paid to be, well, he's already has, they already have so much money. She, he's getting paid to be chief commander of the Hungarian troops, as I'm sure has a hefty salary. So they were doing well financially, and they were actually able to fund the war effort and ensure uh, soldiers would receive their wages. So, like, when they were like, we can't fight the war anymore because we don't have any money, the bathrooms were like, nope, we got you, and they were giving money to keep the war going. That's how rich they were. Um, and Elizabeth, at the time, was also known for taking in women during, women during the war who needed help, such as, like, refugees and that whole deal. Um, unfortunately, though their, like, prowess was really about to end. Elizabeth's life's are really about to get kind of shifted. Um, Francis returned home from war in December of 1603, and he was terminally ill. A couple years beforehand, he had complained about his legs being, like, in a great deal of pain, um, and then he died on January 4th, 1604. That, uh, they don't know what necessarily was wrong with him. In 1605, Elizabeth's brother died, and both deaths left Elizabeth with a huge emotional and financial burden that she was expected to take care of. Like, things, it gets, I'm under the impression that things were very different in, like, the Hungarian times, where, like, it's almost like, um, what is it, Athens? Sparta? Sparta. Um, not like the movie 300, but uh, apparently women were supposed to be, they, at least in Greek times, they were taking care of themselves. Like, women would go to war if they needed to. They were expected to be financially competent. It wasn't like other medieval countries. And I guess in this case, too, you know, she couldn't just play the role of widow. She was in a powerful family. She had things she had to do. She had responsibilities. That's why she went to school, to learn how to run a family. She was expected to take care of these things. So, in fact, when her brother died, she was cut off from the fortunes of her birth family, and since he didn't have any children, another family member in a distant part of the family inherited her brother's entire fortune. Um, Elizabeth didn't get any of it. I don't think she needed it at the time, but eventually it would have been nice because she was slowly going broke. Kind of. Broke by comparison. She still had a lot of money, but not as much money as she was accustomed to having. That sounds like a good way to put it. Um, so she was left in the care of a man named George Thurzo, um, who Francis and his will, like, left George all of his money and with the expectation that George would take care of his wife. Um, because 
I mean, okay, she was still a really strong female, like, at the time, but widows were dangerous. You'll see. Um, so, during this time, Elizabeth apparently had a friend that had been helping her out. Um, you know, like a friend, an emotional support person, someone who's got your back during all these times. Um, this person's name was Anna Dorvula, um, who was a girl from Croatia who had met Elizabeth sometime around 1601. She was, she died in 1609, but was suspected of being a witch and was apparently the one who taught Elizabeth how to beat and torture young girls to death based off of several testimonies from people who knew the pair. So, like, by 1609, in addition to the other issues, you know, dealing with the financial burden and her being a widow and all that, she had bigger fish to fry at this point because, um, for a fee... Elizabeth would teach the daughters of lesser nobility the manners that were expected in court. So by now, it's no secret, the noble families had caught on to something, and they knew better than to send their daughters to Elizabeth, because there were rumors of rampant torture and, like, murders that were happening in her care. So the outer circle of the people who hadn't heard these rumors, the poorer people, as you would say, hadn't heard the gossip and would send their youth to um, Elizabeth's care and hope for a better future, you know, like the whole, if you can train your daughter to be, you know, court worthy, they'd be sent to court, and then, you know, they could prove themselves and maybe marry, like, a higher up, kind of like sending your kids to boarding school and, like, hoping that they turn out good. Um, so within three weeks of taking in a group of girls, all of Elizabeth's students were dead. None of the bodies were released to families, which raised a lot of suspicion. Um, the problem is that King Matthias II had already heard complaints about his widow, um, about, not his widow, this widow, Elizabeth Bathory, um, and the complaints had dated back to 1602. The problem is, is that when a bunch of peasant girls died, it, it wasn't raising a lot of flags, you know, like, they were like, meh, whatever, it's just peasant girls, which is obviously not the, not how I feel about that, but back then, it was only the noble people that they started to care about. So, a minister had made complaints about her publicly and in the court of Vienna. Um, and guess who Matthias had looking into the case? Our boy George, who had been recently appointed to the Palatine, which is a high official in royal courts. So, from March to July 1610, George had people asking all around town about how they felt and what they had heard about Elizabeth Bathory and like because people were very vocal about how they felt about her so he just had to go around and ask them like tell me what you know tell me what you've heard tell me how you feel and in that short amount of time so March April May June July so in five months he got over 300 witnesses of people who had either had a family member who died in the care of Elizabeth Bathory or people who had firsthand seen what she had done, or people who had just heard rumors about her. So, a lot of the rumors were unable to be proven, but this many people, most of them who were of noble birth or high standing, is a lot to try and ignore. Especially when the priest... So there was a priest who said he found the bodies of nine girls in the catacombs between um, the castle and his chapel. And... Like, this was really no laughing matter. I mean, obviously, if she was a murderer, she deserves to be punished. But her whole family was going to go down 
for her actions. So if Elizabeth was put on trial and found guilty, she would have been beheaded and her family would lose their nobility. So the Bathory family ruled Transylvania. If she went to trial and was executed, all of her family's property and belongings would be seized by the crown. George had a really hard decision to make here because did he seek justice if like she really was doing all these awful things and risk the one the one person he was willing to take care of and basically destroy her family so according to some of the testimonies Bathory's initial victims were serving girls usually aged 10 to 14 these girls were the daughters of local peasants who were lured into elizabeth's realm of the promise of well-paid work as maids and servants in her castle and then she pulled the, the whole boarding school plan, luring girls under the pretense of making them ladies. But apparently also during this time, she was said to have abducted girls as well. Um, the list of things Elizabeth was accused of grew, um, starting with beatings, burning or mutilation of the hands, biting the flesh off faces and arms and other body parts, freezing or starving the girls to death, using needles, burning the girls with hot tongs, and then having them submerged in freezing water, and all that to covering the girls in honey and live ants. People also claim she was a cannibal. So before Elizabeth was arrested, George was writing to her son and son-in-laws to inform them of what was happening. So they basically the investigation, the claims against their mother and like that he was going to start pursuing it because he felt obligated to. Um, the family agreed that George could put Elizabeth in confinement, which originally was going to be a convent, and take her accomplices. So there were a couple of um, servants that kind of got implicated in this whole deal and take all of them to jail. Um, so this simple act shows the double standard and preferential treatment of the upper class because basically she is not going to go to trial. She's going to get put in confinement and the four people that helped her are going to go to trial and get whatever punishment they get. But Elizabeth wasn't going to get anything. Um, and they were like negotiating with where she'd be kept and where, like, you know, what she was going to do. So on Christmas Eve, um, George and King Matthias went to Elizabeth's castle. She informed the men that she was well aware that they were trying to get her to confess or figure out like what was going on. Um, she informed the men that she was well aware of the accusations against her. She had a note from one of the mothers um, saying that her daughter had been ill and that that's why she died, not because Elizabeth killed her. And she had already sent word to her cousin, King Garber Bathory of Poland, and requested to move to his kingdom. Gabor? Garber, you know, the king of Poland was her cousin, and she's like, dude, let me live there. Um, so some speculate that Elizabeth tried to poison George and the king that night because both men fell ill after their encounter with her, but that was never proven. On December 29th, 1610, George came back with a squad of soldiers to arrest Bathory, and when they went into the castle, they found a dead girl in the hallway whom had beaten to death. Whom had been beaten to death? Um, in the dungeons, they found servants, um... I only have three names here. There are four people that were accused of it, so I'm just not even going to name these people. Also, I'm not sure how to pronounce them. Ilona, Catalin, and Dora... Dor uh, yep. There are four people who were in the dungeon um, who had apparently been torturing a girl, and they caught them in the act, and the girl lived, and they got arrested. So she was arrested and kept in her own castle's dungeons at first. So Elizabeth, sorry, was arrested and kept in her own castle's dungeons, but then was moved to her normal quarters. She wasn't in jail. She was on house arrest. Um, apparently, um, King Matthias really wanted Elizabeth to pay for her crimes and to go to trial and to be executed, 
but George was able to convince him that it would affect the nobility of Transylvania in a negative way, like the whole nobility of the Bathory family. And so in the end, it was agreed upon that King Matthias was no longer in debt to Elizabeth and she wouldn't go to trial. So on January 2nd, 1611 and January 7th, 1611, two trials were held in secret in the wake of Elizabeth's arrest. It was reported that up to 35 witnesses and survivors showed up each day to testify. All but one of the countess's servants testified against her. The court was also presented with a skeleton with multiple skeletons and cadaver parts that had been found. Um, so no one knows the exact number of Elizabeth's victims. Two of her servants reported 36 and 37, respectively, and the other defendants estimated 50 or higher. Servants in the other castle in Bathory's possession claimed the number of bodies removed from the castle was closer to 100 or 200. And another servant testified that she had found a list of over 650 names in Elizabeth's handwriting and Elizabeth's diary that were claimed to be victims. Um, that list in the diary was never found, and the official count of victims is 80. Elizabeth never attended her trial. So, all of the accused were found guilty as charged. Um, one of the servants had become blind and died before the start of the trial, but the two other female um, accomplices had their fingers torn from their hands by red-hot pinchers before they were burned at the stakes as witches. Elizabeth was walled up, alive, in a small tower room, with only slits left for air and the passage of food and water. She stayed there for four years, and on the evening of August 21st, 1614, she complained that her hands were cold, and the next morning she was found dead at the age of 54. So she was buried in a local church on November 25th, 1614, and there was a huge uproar of her being buried there, so it's rumored that she was moved to her birthplace of Exid in the Bathory family crypt. Where she is today, nobody knows. Even today, though, um, this is the part that I find particularly interesting. There's a lot of debate on whether or not Elizabeth was targeted because of her wealth and reputation and social standing and the tension in the area. So, which would include, like, the Ottoman Empire, the spread of religious um, beliefs, and other power factors. She was part of the Transylvania elite, and it would have been a big power move for the opposing side to take her out. Um, but if her arrest was spurred by some weird political motivation, you'd have all those witness testimonies and physical evidence presented against, like, you have all those evidence, all those evidence, all those, uh, yep, all that that evidence presented against her that you'd have to try to um, explain away, which I'm sure a lot of it you probably could, like the most of the typical just rumor aspects of it, but the rest of it, I mean, there has to be some valid claims in there. So you can't just wave that away, especially when it's like people of wealth and power saying like my daughter died at the hands of Elizabeth Bathory. Also, you'd have the forensic evidence that was presented against her at the time. So, you know, um, and also the fact that when they stormed the castle, there was, mul there was uh, multiple dead or dying girls at the scene when she was caught. So, like, while violence against servants wasn't unheard of, killing servants was out of line. Like, that was, I mean, there was, torturing your servant was one thing and killing it was another thing. That's kind of the vibe. And that's a good, I mean, tor you shouldn't torture people either, but at least beforehand they weren't killing anybody. Um... So there was the other theory that rich widows, this is what I was talking about a while ago, then forgot to beep to, you know. <laughs> so rich widows are an easy prey for powerful men. Um, a theory was put forward that Elizabeth 
um, may have been brought to trial to avoid a far worse trial for treason um, because apparently she was involved with, well, her her cousin Garber, Gabor, out in Poland. Um, so she could have gotten in trouble for treason for com- like talking to that guy. Um, and I think, you know, while they were trying to get rid of her, which I don't think this is how, I don't think there was any kind of motivation to this. I think, I mean, maybe a little bit, but for the most part, Elizabeth was just like a sick, a sick person who liked to torture people, you know, at the end of the day, whatever political, like she kind of dug her own grave. No, wow. No pun intended. Um, but like, yeah, when she was in prison, you know, after she died, the king and, you know, George, they still got to have all of her inheritance. Like, they they got it. And, like, her son-in-law and all that, everybody was rich from her dying like this. Um, yeah. It's impossible to, ter- to determine, this is a good point, it's impossible to determine if um, she intentionally murdered hundreds of girls or accidentally some of her servants died at the result of brutal punishments. I I think she killed them intentionally. You don't accidentally kill. I mean, even if you go by the I, even if you go by the lowest number we've heard, you don't accidentally kill thirty six people. You know, you don't. Oops, I that's number thirty eight. I didn't mean to kill that one. You know, like it, there's no accidentally killing thirty six people. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, you know. I fully believe, you can make whatever argument you want, but I fully believe Elizabeth Bathory was at least guilty of what she did. You know, I think some of the stuff got blown out of proportion in some of, like, the darker parts of it, which we'll get to, but that's just my own personal opinion. Um, so, Elizabeth Bathory has become a legend, which I guess we're gonna get to it sooner than I expected, because it's the next, it's my next topic. Um, so she became a legend because of the stories and mysteries that surround her. She never went to trial. Nothing about this was really all that well published. And people don't really know what the real number was, what all was involved. Like, the whole thing was just dripping with the rumor mill. And because it's so old and we didn't have, you know, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have email receipts, they didn't have handwriting analysis, they didn't have good ways of keeping documentation of anything. So, you know, what actually happened is lost. I mean, we have a good record, but not great. So, um, the rumors that she used to bathe in the blood of her victims to maintain her youth, which is very much a Delphine LaLaurie vibe for sure, um, the rumor didn't even come about until 1729, and witness accounts surfaced in 1817, so, like, they released some of the, like, the witness statements, all those 300 witness statements, um, and none, not a single one of them included that she bathed in blood of her victims. So that's just kind of like, a, what is that called? An urban legend. Um, so we're done with Elizabeth, but this is also kind of interesting. Um, a couple of years after Elizabeth was on trial, and I'm pretty sure, no, she, she hadn't died yet. Um, so right after Elizabeth's trial, um, Anna Bathory, which was Elizabeth's second cousin, was brought to trial by the new Prince of Transylvania, Gabor, on the accusation of, which there's too many people with the same names in this thing. Um, it's like Delphine Lori all over again. It's like, just name your kids all the same names. It's fine. Um, she was put on trial for the accusation of witchcraft and incest with her late brother. Um, so she's got part of her t- inheritance taken away. And then another 
trial came about where she was tortured and she was accused of murdering her own son from a second marriage, but the son was still alive. And she used to, um, she had to give up all of her possessions to buy her freedom. Um, so a third trial left her penniless and she fled to Poland and, you know, she just kept, they kept bringing her to trial for these things. This was kind of supposed to go, so sorry, imagine flashback. This was kind of supposed to go back with like how being a widow was like bad news bears because they were able to keep bringing Anna to trial over and over and over again and kept saying, well, give us part of your inheritance and we'll let you go. Give us all your money and we'll let you go. And like for being brought to trial based uh, like on the accusation of murdering her own son, he was still alive. You, how can you bring, you can't bring somebody to trial on the death of someone who isn't dead. So I think that was in my head, I don't remember, I wrote this down, but it, <laughs> just to show how crazy it was that people could get put on trial for, I guess, how jaded the system was. Although I don't think there's any jading going on here with Elizabeth Bathory. I really just think she murdered people. Yeah, so that's that. Um, cool. That was a long one. So thanks for sticking around for that whole thing. And sorry, it's kind of scatterbrained. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was True Crime Tuesday. Uh, that's, yep. <laughs> that's all I have, so I guess I'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>